Hey guys, before we start the show, uh, let me explain. We're not going to be doing part three of our five-part series of car maintenance and consumer questions, but I do have a few consumers who are asking me questions this week. Unfortunately, our gadget guru, Peter Sudak, is under the weather and unable to participate in this week's show, but we look forward to having him back next week. So sit back, enjoy, learn, and if you follow these directions and this advice that I give these customers, you too will be a savvy car care consumer. So listen in and learn. Take it away. Car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or how to make money while maintaining a vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. And welcome back to another episode. This week, we're still going to be stressing car maintenance. You know, the holidays have come and gone, but unfortunately, while we're doing the decorations, we're doing the presents, we forget about our car and it gets a little neglected. So we want to do some catch up and this is the perfect month to keep on reminding you to do so. So we have three questions from my customers regarding car maintenance and we're going to be talking about them this week. Of course, we have our cheap car care tip. We have another one for you and another story. I hope you enjoyed last week's. We have our history lesson this week, our car care history lesson. We have our email question of the week from Mike. He's from Florida and he's concerned about fluid leaks on his driveway. And of course, we have our gadget guru back, Peter Sudak. And he has a, an extremely economically priced gadget, which is very, very helpful for those who take uh, long trips. And let's not forget our sponsors, Continental Tires. If you're in need of a new sneakers on your car or truck, remember Continental is the tire for you. Whether you're looking for a snow tire, which a lot of us are right now, or an all-season tire, Continental's recognized in the Consumer Reports as one of the top tire manufacturers. And remember, tires are one of the most important components on your car. They directly affect your steering and your braking. So when it's time for tires, ask for Continental by name. And let's not forget Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% associate owned and operated. For years, I've installed Jasper Engines and Transmissions into my customers' vehicles. They have a great warranty, the three-year, 100,000 mile, whichever comes first. And it's cheaper to replace an engine than it is an entire vehicle, which in these economic times you know is not cost-effective for a lot of us out there. So if you're in need of an engine or a transmission, ask for Jasper by name. So let's get on with our show, and our first customer is going to be Adele, and she's got a question regarding air in her tires. We have Adele with us today from Florida, and Adele has a tire question. How often should I check the air in my tires? Okay, this is something pretty simple. We've all talked about this before, time and time again, but things get in the way, family, life, so on and so forth, and we forget that we need to be checking the air in our tires 
every four to five weeks. And remember, just use plain old-fashioned what you're inhaling into your lungs, air. It's 79.9% nitrogen. You do not have to shell out extra money to put nitrogen in your tires. As a matter of fact, if you ask your ASC Blue Seal shop or your dealership regarding the bulletins that each manufacturer has out on nitrogen, basically they state that it has little if no effect whatsoever. It's not going to make your car ride smoother. It's not going to make the tire stay inflated if you get an object in it. It's going to leak just like what we're breathing. And remember when they put the nitrogen in the tires that it's not hermetically sealed. They don't get all the atmospheric air out, So you're not going to get the full concentration of nitrogen in there. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's go on. How much air do you put in there? Remember, each car is different. And you can tell how much air you need in your tires by looking at the door sticker and the driver's door jam. It will tell you the tire size and it will tell you how much air to put in the front tires and it'll tell you how much air to put in the back tires. And remember, use a tire gauge. Do not go off of the little monitors that they have at the self-air stations. I don't care if it's at a box store or if it's at your local uh, shop and get gas place. They are not, I repeat, they are not accurate. Give you an example. We had somebody come in and they said, oh, could you take a look at my tires? I think they're wearing a little funny. Of course they are wearing a little funny because you could see on the outside of the tread, they had plenty of tread, but on the inside, it was starting to get bald and they couldn't figure out why. Well, that's a sign of overinflation. And when we checked with our gauge, the tires were supposed to have no more than 32 on the sidewall. It said no more than 35, but in the actual tire, it was over 40 PSI. It exceeded the amount even the tire was rated for. So we explained to this individual that by running them with too much air, exaggerating, it's going to bulge at the top and the outside and it's going to wear more on the inside tread than the outside of the tread. And that's why they have tire pressures. And plus, you know, the braking and the steering, that all relies upon the tires and the tire pressure. So this is very, very, very important. Please, if you're not sure, ask your ASC certified technician. Also, you can get a digital tire gauge or you could get one of those cheapies for $1.99. Don't count on using them more than four or five times on the cheapies because they're plastic and they do become inaccurate just like the gauges over at the self-inflation stations or at your box store with the self-inflation stations. So please pay attention to that. And of course, we want you to look at this tire tread. Tires are really expensive. We don't want to be putting money into our car when we don't need to. So when you get gasoline, we talked about this before, turn your wheels away from the gas pump. Before you get gas, you walk around to the front of the car and you look at the tire tread. If it's starting to look a little funny, right away, drive over to your ASC Blue Seal shop, ask your ASC certified technician if this is normal wear or if something's going on, 
So let's go on to our next customer's question. It's going to be Bob. And Bob wants to know how often he should change the oil in his vehicle. I have Bob, and Bob has a question. Yes. Uh, can you tell me how often I should be changing my oil down here with this hot, humid weather? Again, let's talk about if you're a severe-duty driver, which means that you're in mountainous terrain and temperatures above 90 degrees, temperatures below 32 a lot of stop-and-go traffic, or if you drive less than five miles in one direction to work or to the store, you hardly use your car. These, in general, are considered severe duty. Each manufacturer has their own reference of when to change oil with severe duty. Some are at 3,000, some are at 5,000. So you need to find out from your ASC Blue Seal shop or your dealership, whether you fall into this category. Now, on normal duty drivers, people that aren't in mountainous terrain or they're in climates warmer than 32 or cooler than 90 degrees, and they really don't have too much stop-and-go traffic, or if they just use their vehicle like to go to the local library more than five miles away or to the grocery store more than five miles away, they would consider this normal driving. So you really have to look at your habits before you talk to your ASC certified technician and explain to them, you know, where you actually use the car and have them make the decision if you're a normal or a severe duty driver. Now, depending upon this, depends upon how often you change the oil. So even if you are a severe duty driver where you change the oil much more often than a normal duty driver, each month, and I stress each month, you need to have the fluid levels checked and you need to have your air pressure checked in your tires. First of all, by doing this every month, you're going to save gas by keeping the proper air pressure in your tires, period. Who doesn't want to save gas? I do, and that's why every month I chose the day I was born and I take that day each month and I put air in my tires. It's just a habit now. And it's not an inconvenience because I'm taking that extra money that I'm saving in gasoline and I'm spending it on myself. This is like my mad money. And you can do this too if you follow that guideline. The other thing is topping the fluids off. Ask your ASC certified technician at your ASC Blue Seal shop or dealership to top the fluid levels off in your vehicle. You know, this is a good inspection in between oil changes because if they see a little something starting to go on, the level in the coolant bottle is a little lower than it should be, they're going to look. And while you may have a $100 repair, it's better for a $100 repair for a little bit of a coolant leak than spending hundreds of dollars because you let it go or nobody caught it in time. Uh, we have one in there right now that because they didn't see it overheating on their gauge, and remember a lot of circumstances, that coolant sensor to see if it's hot or cold, and then it reflects on the gauge or the light on your dash, does not measure steam. That means if you've lost the antifreeze and you're running the vehicle and all it is is hot steam in there, it will show everything's okie-dokie, and it's not. As a matter of fact, like I said, we have a vehicle right now in the shop. It got so hot from a radiator leak, it actually started 
this forming the radiator. So uh, we're going to be looking into that a little closer, see if they did any engine damage. So it went from a little coolant leak to a radiator, and now possibly an engine. See how quickly this happens? That's why it's so important to have these fluid levels checked once a month. See if you can catch something early. Trust me, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars in your wallet, in your savings account, in your pocket for things that you want to do with it and not for your car. Oh, and by the way, this service, topping the fluid levels off, it better be free. Because if it's not, then you need to find another shop. There is no reason why this service should have any type of charge attached to it. This is a courtesy service. And like I said, if they want to charge you for it, ask first. And if they want to charge you, then you need to find another reputable shop. And by doing that, you ask around, you ask your family members, you ask your neighbors, you ask your friends, and you ask more than one, you ask dozens, and you get a consensus, and you go to that reputable shop and have them help you out. So I hope that helps you out, and we're going to go on and talk to Donna. Donna was under the impression that you need to change out the nitrogen in your tires, and... Let's get on with her question. I have Donna from Florida, and Donna has an automotive question for us today. Yes, I was wondering if you could tell me how often I should change the uh, nitrogen in my tires. Okay, so we're going to go back to Dell's question about the air pressure in tires, and we kind of basically touch base on the nitrogen. And Donna, no, you don't have to exchange the nitrogen for new nitrogen in your tires. If somebody has told you this, this is wrong. Furthermore, you can just put atmospheric air in your tires. You do not have to go to any expense installing nitrogen in your tires. What we breathe, like I said before, is 79.9% nitrogen. When they install nitrogen in the tires, it's not in a hermetically sealed area. I mean, you're going to get atmospheric air in there. It has nothing to do with the ride performance or anything like that. Trust me, put old-fashioned air. The vehicle's tires were manufactured for atmospheric air, the air you breathe. The vehicle was manufactured with a specific tire size, which is very important, with atmospheric air, and there's no reason to go to this extra expense. I cannot stress this enough. Save your money. Keep that $25 to $50 in your wallet, in your pocket, and just use the atmospheric air. You know, the tire manufacturers don't come out and endorse it. The auto manufacturers don't straight come out and endorse it. In fact, there's bulletins on it saying that they've checked it out and there's little, if any, significance whatsoever using nitrogen, and that's on the GM bulletin. And there's a Good one with the Honda. Honda even compares, you know, it's it's great to have nitrogen in the tires for the space shuttle. That was perfect. Or for aircraft and military. But for a car going no more than 80 miles an hour, which is above the speed limit, but a lot of people do, it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. It really doesn't. And, you know, I really researched this because when this first became popular, I started getting all these bulletins and brochures in the mail from all these companies who manufacture these nitrogen machines. Somebody thought that 
with the entrepreneurial spirit that they were going to make some big bucks off of this, and they have. And, you know, all it was in there was, yeah, there's a blurb about, oh, it does this and that and this and that, which so does atmospheric air. But it was showing, the big picture on there was showing how you can make money off of your customers. What a profit-making machine, literally, this was. And you know what? The real technicians are out there because they love what they're doing and they want to help you out. And it's not about sitting there being greedy and giving the customer something that they didn't need. Giving the customer a choice between do I buy my meds, my groceries, or do I put nitrogen in the tires? No. Buy your meds and groceries, leave the nitrogen out, inhale the 79.9% nitrogen into your lungs, and put that same atmospheric air in your tires. And if you're just tuning in, this is Car Care for the Clueless. I'm your host, Pam Oaks. And today we're talking to three of my customers. They have three maintenance questions for us. And we're really going to stress maintenance this month because we've neglected our vehicles this past holiday season. And that's me included. It's just not throwing stones in a glass house here. Me included. So we're going to get back on our maintenance schedule and we're going to talk about that. We have our cheap car care tip coming up. And of course... We have our email question of the week from Mike from Florida. We have our automotive history lesson, which is kind of interesting. And let's not forget our gadget guru, Peter Sudak, is back with an extremely economical product that's extremely helpful for people who drive long distances. So let's get back to the show. Okay, so you all remember last week when we talked about our cheap car care tip about my automotive horror story of an object falling out of the grocery bag and falling between the driver's seat and the back of the car. Well, we have another use for baking soda. Remember, we put this in our laundry and our cookies and in smelly cars. <laughs> Actually, now is a very important time to keep an eye on our battery, especially with the cold weather. And some of you like to do a little fix-it yourself. This is a way that you can help prolong your battery life. If you ever pop the hood and you see there's that little white residue on the terminal ends, for those of you who can see the battery when you pop the hood, just want you to take a look at this and a little baking soda paste with an old beat up toothbrush. And you get in there and you clean that off and you rinse it off. And remember, you want to catch all the water that comes off that because it is acidy and we don't want this getting on our cement, we don't want to get this in our garage or have track it through the house after it had drizzled off. But uh, you can catch this uh, residue. Remember, you're going to be very, very, very easy with this and easy on the water. You're going to capture it underneath with a garbage bag. And then you can uh, call up your hazardous waste and ask them how to dispose of it, acidy battery water. And believe it or not, even in my county, they have hazardous waste sites that you can actually just drop it off, like on the way to work or the way to the grocery store, and dispose of it properly. Please, I cannot emphasize enough to dispose of this properly. I mean, you don't want to get this in your drinking water. You don't want this in your yard. You don't want your kids tracking it through the house or your animals. You definitely don't want anybody touching it. If you take the proper care and you be very careful and very, very, very 
easy on the baking soda and the water to wash it off with. It will help you help your car and help your car battery last longer. So that's this week's cheap car care tip. Now let's get on to our email question of the week. Our email question of the week is from Mike from Florida. Mike's got a Hyundai Elantra and he's noticed a couple of oil leaks uh, spring up and he sees a little residue on his driveway, but he wants to know how can you successfully stop oil leaks? Well, Mike, first of all, your ASC Blue Seal shop and ASC certified technician or dealership should know before diagnosing any type of oil leak that you need to find out where the source is from. And the best, absolute best way to check is using dye. They actually have engine dyes and power steering fluid dyes, coolant dyes and dyes for your AC system to see where there's a leak. And there's a specific one for engine oil. It's non-toxic. If you get it on you, it's not going to hurt you. It's They have a little scale 1 to 5, and this is considered a zero, like very, very, very consumer friendly. You pour that in the engine oil and uh, basically drive around for a couple of days. And then you go over to your ASC certified shop, and they have a black light. They'll put it up on a lift, and they'll see exactly where the oil is coming out of, if it is at all, because it may be something else or something that you drove through before and it's creating this uh, residue. But I guarantee you this is the proper way to do it. I don't care how dirty or nasty or greasy or slimy that engine is, when it's going to leak, that dye is going to come through and it's going to show a trace. It's going to trace exactly where it came out of. That is the best way to check and diagnose engine oil leaks. So I hope that helps, Mike, and uh, go over to your favorite shop and have your AC certified technician put some dye in there, wait a few days, drive around, have a good time, go back, and have them find that leak for you. And good luck with that. So let's move on with our automotive history lesson. So this week's automotive history lesson is regarding hubcaps. You know, we've all had vehicles that have had hubcaps on them, but, you know, it all started back when Henry Ford was popping those Model Ts off the line, and they had this itty-bitty little cap in the center of the tire, and basically that cap was a grease cap that kept the grease in there for the bearing for the wheel so the wheel could go around. It evolved into the little center caps back in the 40s, which would hide the lug nuts and the rest of the wheel, of course, would be painted the same color as the car. We've all seen that in photographs or at car shows. And they'd have a chrome center hiding the lug nuts. And there, you still had the little chrome cap for the wheel bearing for the grease. But you couldn't see it because it had this fancy schmancy cover over it. Then when we started going into the 50s, that's when the heyday of the hubcap really came into play. They would have fancy ones with spinners on them, and then they'd have spokes, and it really dressed up the cars, and a lot of the automotive manufacturers, they really had a good time with these. In fact, some of them are considered works of art, and if you can get the older ones back in the 50s, they go for a lot of money nowadays. 
You know, about 30 years ago, everybody started backing away from the hubcaps and they started going towards the aluminum or the chrome wheels, the fancy wheels in the cars, so they wouldn't have to be bothered with hubcaps. But on today's cars, some of them still have them, but they've morphed from steel or aluminum, and now they're plastic. And you'll see them once in a while on the side of the road. In fact, in fact, the plastic on them has gotten so thin that when we do tires on vehicles, you know, the car can maybe be three or four years old, and you can actually see them cracking because of the heat from the brakes. Remember, every time you brake, that wheel can get up to around 400 degrees. Cools off right away, but I mean, it is blazing hot while you're braking. And that plays a big role on why we see hubcaps on the side of the road. But I thought it was pretty interesting just to touch base on that and, you know, where they came from and why. Basically, it just came from hiding that wheel grease cover. And today, we don't even have them. Now, they're all situated in plastic behind the wheel itself, and you don't even see them. And so, uh, that's our automotive history lesson for this week. And let's get on to our gadget guru, Peter Sudak. He's got a gadget that's so cheap and so helpful. I don't know where he found this, but let's give Peter a call and talk to him. So how you doing, Peter? Hi, Pam. How are you doing today? Good. So what interesting gadget do you have for us this week? Well, we have one that we found that will work for drivers who have been driving a little bit too long and they're getting a little sleepy at the wheel. Uh-huh. Um... What it is, it, it looks like a little hearing aid. Okay. But what happens is when you start nodding off, like your head starts tilting down when right. you start falling asleep, this little device in your ear will go off like a little alarm. Oh, okay. To like wake you up. To wake you up, yes. Oh, I've heard of that before. What an interesting gadget to bring up. Yeah, that's definitely something, because I know a lot of people try to push the driving as long as they can, and, you know, that's when accidents happen, so... That's true. So that'd be a good gadget to have for you if you're going to try and push it. it. just That'll let you know it's time to stop and pull over and... Yeah, it's about get... as light, and it's about as small as a hearing aid. Yes. It just kind of sits there, and your head starts to bob or tilt, and uh wake you up. Yep, they'll definitely wake you up, that's, that's for cool. sure. When you wake up, you need to find an exit to pull off. That's right. <laughs> find a hotel and then go hit it tomorrow. That's right. And, you know, this is great because everybody's getting back on the road. Uh, you know, we got salesmen out there and we have even families yet, you know, going on winter vacation. You know, families coming down from the north, coming to the south to get warm. And if dad likes to push it, this is a good safety net. Especially yeah. if everybody else is sleeping. Yeah, it's for them hardcore drivers that like to push it in two days instead of three. Like, or... <laughs> like pop. Like yeah. pop. Yes, like your father, yes. And he's like, time me. <laughs> probably probably be ideal. Yeah, definitely probably be ideal for maybe some truck drivers too. Yeah. Drive the big rigs at night. You know, I know they get used to driving at night, but it might be a still something yeah. good to have as well just in case. Well, that's neat. Um, how much are they now? Believe it or not, they're real cheap. They're only about four ninety five. Four hundred ninety five dollars? No, four dollars and ninety five cents. Four dollars and ninety five cents. That's it. 
You can't purchase an insurance policy that cheap. No, that's... Def- wow. Yeah. That's a must-have. That's definitely a must-have. It's a must-have. Even even if you don't do long-term driving, just stick it in the car. And if you decide to do some long-term driving, have it in there as a backup just in case. You should be wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because it, it makes everybody safe. You're safe. Your family's safe. The people around you are safe. That's right. And, you know, everybody's so sleep-deprived. This is perfect. Yeah. So where would they find these? Um, you can get them online. Um, mm, parts like everything. To, you, yeah. Parts stores, I think they can special order them for you. They, do, I don't think they have them in stock, but you can. they can probably special order them for you. Wow. That is really, really neat. Five bucks to keep you safe. You can't beat that. No, you can't. Well, you can't put a price on anything that keeps you safe, but $5. No. What a deal. Okay. Well, thank you, Peter, and we look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Sounds good, Pam. Thank you. Take care. And again, what an interesting gadget that Peter found. I mean, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It keeps everybody safe. And for $5, you can't beat it. And that wraps up this week's episode of Car Care for the Clueless. I'm your host, Pam Oaks. Thank you again for tuning in. And a big thank you to Donna and Bob and Adele for their car care questions, and I hope we help them out. And a big thank you to Peter Sudak, our gadget guru. I can't believe he found a gadget for $5, and how useful that gadget is as well. And let's not forget our sponsors. A big thank you to Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% associate-owned and operated. Why replace your vehicle due to a transmission or an engine failure when it's more economically feasible to replace the part than replace the vehicle? And it's got a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty. How can you go wrong with that? So if you're in a position that you need an engine or a transmission, ask for Jasper by name. And let's not forget Continental Tires. I personally have Continental General Tires on my vehicle and on my mom's vehicle. And you know, if mom's not happy, nobody's happy. And she loves her Continental tires. So if you're out shopping this week for new sneakers for your car or truck, ask for Continental by name. You won't be disappointed in your choice. They're great tires. It's a great ride and a great warranty. And a big thank you to you for tuning in. And remember, this is all here to make you a savvy car care consumer. Until next week, take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on her website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. See you next week.